In a couple of months, we are going to have uh, the, not we, like us here in this church. I mean, we as a culture, as, you know, Americans, we are going to have the annual college basketball tournament, uh, sometimes called March Madness. It comes up in about two months. It's sort of a tradition for fans watching it to fill out a, a tournament bracket and predict which teams are going to win. Um, I don't generally do one unless someone invites me to join a group because, well, two reasons. One, it's hard for me to keep up with all the games. I don't watch that much basketball in the first place. Um, and it, there's like several games every day. Um, I just don't watch that much basketball. Two, and this is more important, I'm really bad at choosing the teams from the beginning. I'm terrible at choosing the right teams. So hard to keep up with. Bad at choosing the right ones from the beginning. Let's talk New Year's resolutions. <laughs> this morning, uh, we're going to be continuing in um, kind, of, kind of a little bit of an extension of the series that we've been building up uh, leading up to Christmas, which was looking at all of the kind of pieces in the Old Testament that showed us what Jesus would be like, showing us pictures, types of the Savior. And as Mike led us through all of these, I thought to myself, well, it would be nice to kind of see, see Jesus in, in sort of the, uh, in the end, in the, the after his resurrection, in, in what, sort of, what sort of person was Jesus ultimately meant to be? And so today we're going to look at, um, at a passage from uh, Luke 24, which is where Jesus appears to some of his disciples after his resurrection. Um, but we have to kind of set the scene because we have disciples, people who have followed Jesus. We're going to pick up their story on Sunday morning. And if you're familiar with the story of the resurrection, you know that uh, some of the women, they go to the tomb to uh, take care of the body and they, they find the tomb empty. They rush back to, uh, to the 12, to the, the remaining ones and, and, they say, well, he's missing. He's gone. They, they rush to the tomb. Peter and John are there. and There's an angel tells them he's alive. It's this whole thing. But apart from that very small group of people, Sunday morning was not a morning to rejoice. It was a morning of grief. On Friday afternoon, Jesus has been crucified. They take him down off the cross. They bury him before sundown because it's the Sabbath. And the entire next day, right, there is this holding pattern, this period of waiting. It's the Sabbath. We can't do anything about it. It's, 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 this is our rest time. We're not allowed to, uh, to go to the tomb. We're not allowed to do any of this work. We're not allowed to move on. And now it's Sunday morning. And now they have to decide. All these people, these hundreds of people, thousand perhaps, who have followed Jesus, right? They followed his teachings. They believed in him. They have to decide what to do with their broken dream. And the hardest thing to do with a broken dream is to turn your back on it and walk away. That's where we find two men today in Luke 24. It's Easter, but there's no joy. Two disciples are on the road to a little village called Emmaus. It's about seven miles from Jerusalem. It's about the distance from here to Smithburg. Um, it's 
not that far, but they're walking. I mean, it's, it's a hustle, a couple of hours. If you're in good shape, maybe 90 minutes if you jog it. They're walking along a dusty road. They leave Jerusalem far behind. See, these were followers of Jesus. As they understood, a rabbi from Nazareth, a teacher, a miracle worker who claimed to have been sent by God. For a long time, they have followed him as much as anyone could. They truly believed. And then came Friday. Jesus has been crucified, buried in a tomb. They heard rumors, maybe, that morning that the tomb had been found empty, but they could not, would not, did not believe any of those wild stories about a resurrection. If there was one thing the Romans knew how to do, it was kill people. They were good at it. They could make it fast, short, long, easy, horrific, public or private. Crucifixion was the most terrible way to kill a man, and only the worst of the worst suffered that fate. How has it come to this? If he was truly the Son of God, how could this have happened? They don't know. But as they set along that road that morning, they know a few things. These things are true. Let's, we know how the story ends. We, we know, if you've read this, you know where it's going. If you've not, you at least know that some of the things they believe aren't correct, but try to put yourselves in their shoes. These things are true. It is Sunday. Jesus is dead. And they are going home. Their question, our question, where did he go? Where is he when we need him? And why did he leave us? It's the beginning of 2022. Maybe for some of you, 2021 was, was a, a year of joy. Maybe you, you accomplished all of your goals and you, you conquered all of your obstacles. But I would guess that you would be in the minority. For many of us, I believe 2021 was a year of maybe just surviving, just getting by. Can't we just get through the next day, the next month? We had hopes and dreams. Things happen. Some of us have uh, had plans for the future that we had to turn around and walk away from. And in these moments, we ask ourselves, where is, where is God where is God when, when things are miserable? Where is God when we have such crushing disappointment? Where is God as a pandemic enters its third year? Where is God when, when our families aren't speaking to each other? Where is God when our, when our children are, are, seem lost? despite everything that we've done, where, where is God when our, our job, our friendships are on the line? As these two men walked and talked, I'm sure they did a lot of reminiscing. As we often do at the end of a year, we look back and, and we think about all the things that we've been through, the things that have happened. They must have talked about the time that they saw the man on the pallet that was lowered through the roof. That was a great moment. Right? Maybe the time that, that Jesus took the uh, five pieces of bread and two fish and he somehow fed 5,000. Maybe they wondered how, how could Jesus raise a man like Lazarus from the dead? 
and then be killed himself just a week later? They try to make sense out of tragedy. Normal. If you've ever had to walk away from a crushing disappointment, something so deeply hurtful that you can't form words, you know what it's like for these two. There are two men on the road to Emmaus. Or are there? Now there are three men. Down the road, these two men walk deep in their sorrow and despair, talking about the things that they've seen, and suddenly a stranger joins them. He walks with them. Later on, when he leaves them, their lives will be changed forever. Two men, then three, and then two again. Such is the power of Christ. Here is a message of hope for the confused and uncertain. For anyone who feels abandoned by God, for anyone who feels that they just don't know where he is in this world. Story picks up in verse 13. At the same day, meaning the same day from the previous parts of Luke 24, which is the resurrection, uh, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know these things that have happened here these days? What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth. They replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one, the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what what is more, it is the third day since this all took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Every part of this story is human nature. There's even a little bit of humor in it. As Jesus comes along and they think he's dead, (laughs) he's standing right there talking to him. See, the thing is, when we're trying to answer this question, where is God in our, in our heartbreak? Well, sometimes we, sometimes we can't recognize him. Sometimes we just can't recognize Jesus. Right? In verse 16, it says, they were, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Right? Why didn't they know it was him? They're, they're his disciples. They had followed him. They had seen him, listened to him speak. But in the text, it says, they, as they talked, he, he came up, walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. There are many, many theories as to why they didn't recognize him. Some try to explain it away as, you know, it was, it was foggy or it was dark. But I think that phrase, kept from recognizing, means there's something going on. There's something maybe perhaps supernatural or something in their hearts. You ever, you ever run into like a coworker at the grocery store? And you, like, you walk right past them. You don't even recognize them. Context is everything. If you're not expecting to see somebody, sometimes you just don't see them. 
How do you think Clark Kent got away with it all these years? The glasses don't really do that much. As they walked with this stranger, they were telling him stories. Oh, he used to do this. And oh, you know, oh, you should have been there. Right? Ah, I heard he even walked on water. He was so kind. We never met anyone like him. I can't believe he's gone. And as they walk, the, the two men talking, the stranger listening, finally he breaks in. He says, what are you, what are you talking about? What are you talking and these two men, they're confused by the question. They, what do you mean? Are, are you the only one? You just, you're, you're walking on the same road as we are. You are walking from Jerusalem, meaning you've just left that city. How is it possible that you haven't heard? And they tell the story. He was such a good man. He healed the sick. He, he raised the dead. We know he was a prophet. We heard he was betrayed. He ran into trouble with the chief priests. Yeah. They arrested him. They beat him till he couldn't stand. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They mocked him. They killed him. Everything they said was in the past tense. They spoke of him as of the dead. They loved him. They believed him as best they could. They cherished his memory. But they could not square the events of the last 48 hours with their faith. They just couldn't reconcile what they had experienced with what they believed. There comes a time in life where you have to face the facts, the reality of the situation. Right? No one has seen Jesus yet, even though they've heard of the empty tomb, or so they assumed. They believed they were hearing and experiencing the end of the sad tale of Jesus of Nazareth. A tale that had such promising beginnings. He let them down. The third day is quickly running out. And feels like the show's over. As the two disciples pour out their confusion and despair, Jesus listens patiently. When, he's, when they're finished telling him of their broken dreams and dashed hopes, he begins to speak. You see, sometimes we, sometimes we just don't see God when we're in the middle of disappointment, when we're in the middle of despair. Sometimes we know what we're meant to believe. Or maybe we even know somewhere deep down what we should believe. But we're slow to believe. Sometimes we're slow to believe. Sometimes we, we just can't get there when we need to. When Jesus speaks to them, he He's a little harsh. He calls them fools. Um, he says, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? You know, he, it, it feels a little harsh, but he, he only calls them out for this one thing, right? For, for failing to understand and apply the scripture that they, that they had and should have known. Right? He doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't, tear them down for, for giving up and, and leaving Jerusalem and walking back home. He doesn't criticize their doubt. He doesn't condemn their confusion. That's all perfectly understandable. But he tells them they should have known and believed what God said. He just tells them plainly, well, this was all necessary. Of course, of course this, is, this had to have happened. This is how it was always meant to happen. And he begins to explain to them 
Right? He actually, he says, begins with Moses and all the prophets. He starts from the beginning and he explains to them all that was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Now, they still don't know who this is. They think that they've just stumbled across an expert in the scripture, walking down the road with them. And as he begins to explain it, they begin to understand. Christ was no victim being led to the cross. No, no one took his life. He laid it down. The cross was not an accident. It wasn't a tragedy. It was a victory. It was part of the plan from the beginning. That's why the prophets and the poets wrote about it. There are pieces throughout the Old Testament, Old Testament that would tell that the Messiah would suffer and then enter his glory. And over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at many of these uh, these pictures of what Christ would be like. And as Jesus walks along the road with these two men, he, he hits some of those same points. He's a prophet, right? Greater than Moses, a deliverer, far greater than, than the Exodus. He's a king, greater than David. He's a priest, above all far more than any, any human could do for us. He's the fulfillment of human destiny. He's the goal of, of all the sacrifices, the, the meaning behind the, the tabernacle, behind the temple. He is the redeemer, the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. The great high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. If you want to find Jesus, he's, he's in there if you look. He's the theme of every book from Genesis to Revelation. I find great encouragement in this story. How, how when Jesus begins to explain everything, he starts, he starts at the beginning. When he says starting from Moses, he doesn't mean from the story of Moses. He means from the books that Moses wrote, which is, starts from Genesis and all the way through. Where is Jesus when we need him? Well, he's there, even if we are slow to believe it. And then we come to a kind of a touching picture. Jesus joining, uh, joining these two for dinner. Um, remember, they still don't know who he is. They, they think they've stumbled upon this stranger who seems to know everything there is to know about the Bible. Uh, they have no idea who it is. And there's one little phrase in verse 28 that gives us pause. Because it says Jesus acted as if he were going further. My next slide is the, kind of the point. I probably should have put the verse first. But it says sometimes, sometimes Jesus seems to leave us. Sometimes it seems as if he has gone. And it, he acted as if he were going farther. And he pretended. That's, that's odd. Was he trying to deceive them? That can't be right. Was he planning on leaving them alone with their doubt? I don't think so. But as they approached the village, he acted as if he, oh, well, you know, uh, see, see you later. He acted as if he were going farther. That's what it says in verse 28. But look at their response. They urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in, stay. He makes them think he's going to leave them behind so that they will invite him to stay. He creates the situation 
where it seems as if he's not there. In order to convince them, in order to encourage them to invite him in. He does not invite himself. He does not assume that he would join them, but he creates the situation that causes them to seek him. Jesus is is with us even when it seems that he is gone. Perhaps sometimes it seems that he is gone so that we will seek him. Even when we've given up all hope, we discover he was with us when we needed him the most. That's why the uh, two disciples invited him in. They didn't, they didn't want him to, to leave them. They had, they had had, uh, later on in the, in the passage, they'll say that when they were listening to him, their hearts burned. They invited him to join them. And, and he goes in and, and almost immediately they sit down for some food. And he takes the bread, which is typically, in, in this sort of a meal, is typically the job of the host to do this. But he takes the bread and he gives thanks. He prays. And this is, a, this is almost, a, a, almost a ritual. There's a, when it says he takes the bread and gives thanks, there's a specific prayer that is said out loud uh, while holding the bread up. And a prayer of thanks to God. And he breaks it. And that's what they would do. They would pray for the bread and they'd break it and pass it around. And when he does this, verse 31 says, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. That's kind of a weird moment. They recognize him and then, and then he really is gone. Why is he gone? Well, I guess he has places to be, but they don't, they don't need him there anymore. What they needed to know was that he was with them. What they needed to know was that he was alive. And they look at each other and they say, of course. It's so obvious now. Weren't our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road when he opened the scriptures to us? Of course. So obvious. And even though it's late, they get up and they head back to Jerusalem. They can't wait. To get back to Jerusalem. They, they have just said to Jesus, oh, you can't, keep, you can't keep going. It's almost dark. You have to come in and stay with us. But now that they have such news to share, who cares if it's getting dark? We can make it. We'll just run. It's only seven miles. They can't wait. It's, they have to go back and tell others what they've seen and heard. Once you've encountered Christ, nothing should ever be the same again. Right? If Jesus is alive, there's no time to waste. If, if Jesus is alive, if everything we believe is true, then death has been defeated. Then heaven is more than just a dream. If all his promises are true, then sin can be forgiven. And we will never be alone again. But where's Jesus when we need him the most? He's here. He's with us. We know that because he has risen. Two men on the road, and then three, and then two again. That's a picture of life after the resurrection. Jesus comes and gives them hope when they are alone in their despair, and he leaves, but they are changed forever. And yes, his physical presence on this earth has he's been gone for nearly 2,000 years. 
that he is more with us now than he was when he was here. Know this because of the very last thing he said. The very last thing he said to his disciples found in the very, very end of the book of Matthew. Matthew 28, 20, it says, Surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Even when we don't recognize him, even when we can't find him, even when we're slow to believe, even when it seems like he's gone, these things are true. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. We are not alone. Lord, as we come to you today, some of us deeply hurting, looking back at a, at a difficult year, some of us searching for hope for the future, we know these things are true, that you are with us. We thank you for the example of these two men as, as, they, as they walked, as they lived with their, their broken dreams and the story of how you restored them. God, many of us, we search for that restoration today. Would you give us that same burning in our hearts? That we would know you are there. We know you have hope. Thank you for this wonderful gift. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you for joining us this week. If you uh, want to talk more about hope, you want to talk about truth, Mike and I, we always hang around after. Um, if there's something we can do for you, if, uh, if, you wanna, if you don't want to hang around and talk, but if you just want to check in with us, at, uh, we, we set up this website at cchmd.com slash connect. You go there, you check in and say, hey, I was here, I, or I, I, was, I joined online. Um, let's chat. All right? We'd love to spend some time with you this week. Thank you very much. Have a great day.